The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Sharp Lessons, where stadium sports betting podcast. Yes, we're back. We're back better than ever. Nate Jacobs and the professor, Ben Wittenstein. Nate, we've been off for uh, about a month now with not, you know, too many things to bet on. You got some NBA, some NHL here and there, but it's March 7th, March Madness. We're feeling good. The betting's coming back. So we figured let's get a podcast going. Let's talk about some of these conference tournaments. Yeah, needed to recharge the batteries after a, a long NFL season with NFL and college and took some time off after the Super Bowl. It was nice to have some free time, honestly, and not feel like I have to constantly do research on the NFL and maybe missing out on a line move or something. So it was nice to have a time off and kind of focus on some other sports and be prepared to give informative opinions. And no better way to start than right now with college basketball, Major conference tournaments this week tipping off on Tuesday. Most of them begin on Wednesday. We're recording this on a Monday evening. So we're just going to kind of go through the six major conferences for college basketball, give some thoughts, some betting strategies in general about how to bet these conference tournaments, and hopefully maybe set you up for the NCAA tournament next week. Yeah, this is the best time to be betting sports by far is March Madness in the tournament. And you've got even some NBA games, some NHL games. It's it's just a great time to be gambling, and we're going to be doing uh, Twitter Spaces too. If anyone is interested, in the next couple of weeks, Nate and I and, and some other people from Stadium just talking about the bets because it's it's a little harder to turn around a podcast in the time that we need for the the games that are every single day for these tournaments. So we figured we'd go on Twitter. We just do a Twitter Spaces. You can listen to that in real time. Here are our bets. Super easy. Yeah, definitely. I think the easiest part about football in terms of like doing a podcast, it's Games are on the weekend, so it's very easy kind of to have evergreen content or content that uh, will last a few days. But with college basketball and and the tournaments, teams are playing multiple days in a row. The lines don't come out until late that night, the morning of. Uh, So the, the information just isn't as relevant as long. So, yeah, Wednesday, this Wednesday, uh, 6.30 Eastern, 5.30 Central, I think we're shooting for. Uh, on the stadium Twitter account, we'll do a Twitter spaces, breaking down the lines for some of those games at night and then looking for some opportunities. And I was doing some research and th- it looks like Thursday early in the day, a lot of important games in terms of the bubble. So it'll be fun to preview some of those bigger games, not in terms of like the best teams, but teams that are looking to go into the big dance uh, when they have their name called on selection Sunday. So let's do strategy because it's a new every single season. You're trying to figure out what's the best strategy for me this year. What's the best way to attack all of these teams, all of these games? You have a bunch of conferences. You know, a lot of teams you may not even have paid attention to all season long that you're finally getting your first crack at. So kind of from from your perspective, from my perspective, what um, let's give out some some good strategic moves that people can make betting these conference tournaments and maybe betting the NCAA tournament a little bit too. 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing this week is looking at motivation and knowing which teams are on the bubble, are going to be desperate to win. And if you're betting on them, then that's probably a good strategy. But at the same time, the spread might be adjusted or inflated too much, and it's not warranted. So just, you want to know who's on the bubble and who has like a path where if they win a game, they should be good, or maybe they have to win a couple games. Uh, then maybe in that case, you'd maybe bet a, a future on them to win the conference championship and or tournament and maybe hedge in the final if they get to that point. Uh, but I would look at the bubble teams, and we'll go through all of them in the conferences. But at the other end, w- want to look at motivation in terms of teams maybe not that motivated, teams knowing they're in the field, but they're not going to be able to improve their seed that much by going on a deep tournament run. And we were talking at work today because now we're in the office and seeing each other almost every day in person, Ben and I, and some other people, we were talking about how making a deep conference tournament run can actually be bad for a team in terms of the NCAA tournament. And the example I have was Mizzou, 2012. I was a sophomore attending the school, and they won the Big 12 tournament in their last year in the Big 12. They already knew they were going to the SEC the next year, so that was a big deal. And then they lose as a two-seed to 15-seed in Norfolk State in the first round. So I think a team like Mizzou that year going on that run, playing three games in three days, actually hurt their prospects for the NCAA tournament. And then we have uh, our uh, your coworker, our coworker, your teammate, Ben Alexis, mentioned that she went to Michigan State in 2016. They won the Big Ten tournament, and then they lose to Middle Tennessee in the first round in a 2-15 game. I think the poster child for this was 2015 Iowa State, Fred Hoiberg's last year in Ames. They went on, they beat Kansas in the Big 12 tournament. They turn around that early Thursday and lose to UAB in a 3-14 game. And then last year, Ohio State, they won four games, or played four games in four days, lost in overtime in the Big 10 title game to Illinois, and they lose to Oral Roberts in a 2-15 game. So this might be more for next week, but in terms of this week, Look for teams that might not be needing to win their conference tournament or not motivated to win their conference tournament because the coach wants their team to be set up well for the NCAA tournament. If you only play two games in two days, that might not be the worst thing for a team to be fully rested, fully focused for the big dance. All right, let's look at the conferences then. Let's do some ACC, Barclays Center in Brooklyn. It starts um, today, as of this podcast dropping, favorite is Duke at minus 130. There's a couple of bubble teams, too, to pay attention to with Miami, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech. And, and you're thinking, especially with that win over Duke, that UNC team is probably going to make it and, and Wake as well. Um, if you're just looking at the board, Nate, what are some teams, some numbers that you like out of this one? Well, first, I want to say this was a really uh, bad season for the ACC. The fact that there's really only like good. one true lock in Duke and that they're Odds on to win a 15-team conference tournament it kind of speaks how poor the league was. As Florida State had a horribly down year, Virginia had a down year, Syracuse very down year, Louisville, who was a factor at one point, maybe a few years ago, they fired their coach mid-season, Chris Mack. So it was a really bad year for the ACC as North Carolina showed a lot of inconsistencies. So when it comes to betting this, obviously Duke is the you know the team that's to beat, I guess. But this tournament's also in Brooklyn, and not normally we're in, like, Greensboro or Winston-Salem or somewhere in, like, Charlotte where it's going to be, like, a lot of Carolina 
fans making the trip. I think that's another key, knowing which fans travel well to these tournaments because a team could have an edge. Uh, but I will say a team that interests me are actually one of the – there's two teams, and they're in the same state, and it's basically because of the path for these teams. And it's the two Virginia schools that interest me in this because these schools, Virginia, they're the number six seed, and Virginia Tech are the number seven seed. And Duke's the number one. So Duke's on the top of the bracket. That means the bottom of the bracket is definitely the weaker path. The two in the uh, lower part of the bracket is Notre Dame and three, North Carolina. So I think there can be a lot of randomness in the bottom of the bracket. And I think the team for me, I like Virginia Tech the most, and they're 9-1 to to win the conference, which is the third best odds. So I think that says a lot that they're the seventh seed, but they have the third best odds to win the conference tournament. So Virginia Tech, for me, a, a bubble team that probably has to win multiple games, but there's definitely a path set up for Virginia Tech where they'll likely play Notre Dame. Well, they'll, they'll play in the first round or second round, I guess, and then if they win that, they'll play Notre Dame. So they have a really good shot at making it would be the semifinal. So Virginia Tech for me at 9-1 to one is a team I'm going to take a hard look at and maybe bet them on a game-by-game basis in the ACC tournament. It would be hard for me to put any money down on any team in the ACC to win this tournament. It's just been such a terrible year, as you said. It's A lot of these teams have just been very inconsistent. I can't in good faith put any money down on any of these teams, to be quite honest. I could see Duke making a run just because they got embarrassed by UNC, and you have Coach K with all of his uh, – talking about how it was unacceptable to lose against UNC yeah. at home. I think he's going to take a lot of that and then put it into this tournament to really show that Duke actually may be worth something. But other than that, because of the favorite at minus 130, I'm probably staying away with yeah. that number. My other note for this game, I want to know your thoughts. Are you thinking about fading North Carolina in their first oh, game yeah. in the AC tournament? Because they do have that huge win yep. um, against Duke, Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor. North Carolina has been such a shaky team, so inconsistent this year where they have like a win like that. They don't have many good wins, but that was their biggest win by far. But they have some pretty brutal losses, including a home game against Pitt. So I think North Carolina could be good fade material. And it seems likely that they're going to play Virginia in that 3-6 game. I believe it would be Thursday night quarterfinal at the AC tournament. So that's something to keep in mind, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit on Wednesday's Twitter spaces when we get a better idea of what that matchup might be. There is no better fade material than UNC right now. Like it's a, it's the perfect, the perfect time off yeah. a big win. It would have been even better if they were at home when they did it because I know you love and I've come to really like betting against teams that have big wins at home when they're not expected to win or they're the underdog, right. whatever it is. Um, it's it's such an easy fade material. So I'm absolutely looking at that. Uh, big East. This is gonna be a fun tournament. Big East Tournament, Madison Square Garden, always fun. Nova's won four of the last five. They're the favorite at plus 165. Kind of liking that UConn number at four to one a little bit as a second favorite. Um, but a team that I do kind of have some interest in a little bit is uh, Seton Hall. 14 to one. They la- they ended the season on a five-game win streak. Now, they didn't bet... They didn't beat the best teams in the Big East on that five-game win streak, but it still ended on a five-game win streak. They're going to come in hot to this tournament. They lost to UConn by five. They lost to Nova by six. You know, it's well within a margin of being able to actually win some of these games if they're close. I I do kind of like Seton Hall for the number that they are at right now at 14-1. to Yeah, and I think one thing to look in this bracket is especially important 
is the paths of these of these teams. And one thing with the Big East this year is Providence won the league regular season title. But I think a lot of people, and it's no secret that they are been extremely fortunate and lucky this year. They've won every close game. I think a lot of people are going to want to bet against Providence in yeah. these tournaments, whether it's conference tournament or NCAA tournament. I would be careful, though, because this is, like, well-known. Like, the betting market's not giving Providence any respect. So you're not going to get any sort of, like, overinflated number on Providence, even though they had such a good regular season record. Uh, the team I actually like is going to be from the top of that bracket because Providence is uh, their likely opponent, will be their opponent in the quarterfinal. And it's the pretty much the only bubble team in the Big East tournament, and it's Xavier, who, as you mentioned, Seen Hall ended the year pretty well. Xavier, complete opposite, kind of went in a tailspin after looking like they would certainly make the NCAA tournament. So Xavier, they put would if they beat Butler on Wednesday afternoon, they would play the early game against Providence in the quarterfinals. And even though Xavier's an eight seed and Providence a one seed, I'd expect Xavier to be a favorite in that game because they were barely an underdog at Providence a few weeks ago. So the lat line basically said on a neutral court, Xavier's better than Providence. Add in the fact that they have the extra motivation for needing to win this game um, because they are on the bubble. And if they did lose in the quarterfinals, then they would be very nervous watching on Sunday if they get back by Butler, of course, on Wednesday in the first round. But Xavier, for me, is a team I could see maybe if they beat Providence then beating the winner of Creighton Marquette, two teams that I'm not super high on. Uh, so for me, I would, I mean, maybe seeing Hall at the number, but at the same time, Villanova and UConn are down in that bracket, and that's a tougher path. And I think U- UConn is not the team that would interest oh, me a little more. They're so just be, tough. Just, well, yeah. So the thing is, you said UConn, 4-1 to odds, and Villanova, like, plus 150 or whatever it is. I could see Villanova falling in that bucket of teams that doesn't have the motivation to improve 100%. their seed. Just because they've won national titles before, that's definitely the goal of their you know, the program that, that they've set, the standard Jay Wright's program is set. I don't think they want to be going and playing three games three days if they don't have to. UConn, they're like second home is Madison Square Garden. There'll be fans in the crowd, and UConn wasn't in the Big East for a number of years, so they're going to have a lot of fan support traveling to Madison Square Garden. So UConn at 4-1 to one interests me, along with Xavier at their odds at the top of the bracket. Um, it looked like 20-1, to one, which... That's actually pretty good the more I think about it, Xavier. I think they have a really good shot at making the final based on their path. I do like UConn. Nova, I 100% agree. That's got to be the mindset. They might as well just lose the first game, have a week (laughs) off, just rest, get the players healthy, get them prepared for the tournament. There's really no need for them to win more than one or two games in this tournament. It's really not going to affect their seeding that much. It's... It, it's beneficial. They know what it takes to win a title. They know. They've been there before. It's, it seems obvious at this point that if you're Nova, you're not going to be busting your butt to try to get to the championship game for the Big East at this point. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so just to recap that, I like UConn at the odds at 4-1 to one, as opposed to Villanova from the bottom part. And then Xavier interests me just because I'm likely going to bet on them. Um, in their Thursday noon Eastern time start against number one Providence uh, that will confirm on Wednesday evening on the Twitter spaces. Yeah, I'll go Seton Hall, 14 to one. All right, Big Ten. Let's look at the Big Ten. Salt of the earth in Indy. 
Crossroads of America at the, uh, what is it now, the Gainbridge Fieldhouse. That name just yeah. changed recently. Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Yeah. Uh, in Indianapolis, the Purdue Boilermakers are the favorite at plus 250. Uh, this is going to be an extraordinarily fun tournament, I think, uh, especially when you just look at the odds. I mean, Purdue's the favorite, and they're plus 250. Illinois is plus 350. Iowa 6-1. You go through this list, and you can see six, seven, maybe even eight possible winners for this tournament. I'll sneak in Indiana there. They have no shot, but I'll sneak Indiana in there as, an, as, as possibly an eight. But, I mean, even Michigan State at 14-1, to one, the, the, it seems like they have a really good shot at being able to win this tournament because all these Big Ten teams throughout the season, they just beat up each other. They beat up each other enough that everyone really knows each other's weaknesses. They know how to attack the other team. They know how to defend the other team. It's... It's beneficial to probably pick a team that has, you know, high odds, 12 to 1, 14 to 1. You've got, you know, I probably wouldn't go past Indiana. Like Maryland is, is 33 to 1. I, I, that's not worth it. No Maryland need, no need not to a do that. Team. Um, but I, I would go up to Michigan State, 14 to 1 for the Spartans. I, I think they have as good of a chance as any of these other teams, your Wisconsin's, your Michigan's, your Ohio State's, to win this tournament. Yeah, Michigan and Indiana are both 14-1, and they're the 8th and ninth teams. So there's nine that teams in this be. conference, 14 or 1 or shorter. So as you mentioned, it might not be a bad idea to take one of those teams in that mid-range. But I'm going to push back on that a little bit just because if you look at the team on the bottom part of the bracket where Purdue is, and they're the plus 250 favorite, not a huge fan of Michigan State, honestly. just This isn't like a team that... I've watched and just like jumps out at me as making a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Ohio State has really struggled down the stretch of the season, losing to Nebraska. They lost to Maryland. They just lost at home to a Michigan State team with or Michigan team without Hunter Dickinson in the lineup at home. And Ohio State, I know, defensive metrics wise are very poor. Uh, and then Wisconsin, who was would have been the one seed if they beat Nebraska at home on Sunday and Johnny Davis gets hurt, their star player, and who knows about Davis status for this week. But all those teams are on the bottom of the bracket. I think that sets up really well for Purdue to at least make the final, and if their most likely opponent they play in the final is Illinois, a team they've already beat twice because they have some matchup advantages because they have big guys who can slow down Kofi Coburn, I would actually take, be fine with betting Purdue at plus 250 to win the Big Ten tournament, even though there could be a lot of competitiveness or randomness or a lot of parity in the league. I think Purdue playing in Indy, so maybe, you know, it's it'll, you'll have a really strong contingent of fans there. Um, they're my pick to win, uh, even at, even though they're the favorite. And, you know, you with conference tournaments, might want to take a little bit of a deeper shot, especially in a single elimination tournament. But for me, the way the bracket sets up, I really like Purdue. Um, one thing uh, worth noting that I thought was interesting, Rutgers, one of, a team on the bubble in the Big Ten, has a double bye. They're the four seed. Uh, the five seed's Iowa. So I, Rutgers might be in a, in a must-win game against Iowa in the quarterfinals on Friday to help their uh, case for the NCAA tournament. And then, Ben, a game I know you'll be very interested in early Thursday, Indiana playing Michigan. Indiana is definitely on the bubble. Probably need to win at least this game and maybe one more against Illinois to securely be in the field. Michigan, I think, regardless, are in the field, but would love to just, you know, just to guarantee their spot, beat Indiana in that game. 
but yeah, that's the game that I'm looking forward to, at least early on in the conference tournament Thursday, Indiana, Michigan, with plenty of bubble implications on the line. I don't know if that Illinois line, or excuse me, I don't know if that Indiana line is out right now, but I would say stay away from the Hoosiers if they are less than like a five-point underdog, probably, to Michigan. I don't know what that line is going to be. I'm sure it'll be closer to three or four, something like that, and and I don't imagine Indiana will be favored. I would be I would be shocked if Indiana would be favored in that game. They've just looked so bad, so... I wouldn't bet them as more than as less well, than like a five underdog. Well, one thing well, they won't be that big of an underdog. If they will, I'll have a big bet on Indiana. But yeah, in the middle during the season, I know Michigan was kind of down at the time, and Indiana was playing well, and Indiana just beat Purdue. But I believe Indiana was a four point favorite against Michigan uh, in season. A lot's yeah. changed since then, and then you have to also wonder if Dickinson's okay after missing Sunday with right. that stomach ailment. I think the line is going to be no more than a than a possession each way. I would guess because Michigan's trending a little better, they'll be a small favorite. But, yeah, you're not going to be able to get Indiana at a big price because even though they've really struggled down the stretch, they still have a lot of talent, and I still think they get a lot of respect um, in general from the betting market. And their fans are going to travel well, too. I would say for the Big Ten – uh, if I'm putting any money down on any team and I'm not betting a favorite, I'm going to put it on Wisconsin at seven to one. Um, they've just they've been lucky. You know, this has like been their season of luck. They they have had lucky instances in some of these close games. And if we're talking about something for next season, I, I would say their luck has run out. But I think that continues into the the, the conference tournament and even in the, in the NCAA tournament. So I would like Wisconsin at the number at seven to one. They have a fairly easy first game, but they're going to have to go through Purdue, which is going to be tough, of course, playing in Indiana. But they've shown they can do it. They beat Purdue before, and yeah. I know it was an insane, stupid game, and they got the luck to do it. But you know, maybe the luck stays with them this season. This could be like the Wisconsin luck season. Um, let's go to the Big 12, another tournament that I think is going to be really fun, pretty close. you got the favorite Baylor at plus 210, Kansas at plus 210. Um, Texas Tech is plus 350, Texas 6-1, to one, and then you go all the way up to TCU, which is next up at 18-1. to one. So you really kind of have those four teams that a lot of people expect to have a shot to win this. And then it goes all the way to TCU, Iowa State, Oklahoma. So it really does seem like it's going to kind of come down to Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech, or Texas. Yeah, a few things on this tournament. I just always think it's funny. This game's played in, uh, or tournament's played in Kansas City, Missouri, even though mm-hmm. there's no uh, Big 12 teams in Missouri anymore. Oh. Uh, but then another thing, there's only nine teams in this tournament, Oklahoma State, postseason ineligible, which is too bad because I think they would have just been a fun team to add to this mix. And in terms of, like, the bubble and, and stuff like that, it's not that exciting of a tournament. I think every team kind of knows their fate. The only team that maybe could make a move is Oklahoma who probably on the outside looking and now or certainly on the outside looking and now the field but if you beat Baylor on Thursday it would be and then maybe win your semifinal then maybe Oklahoma is in the in the mix so Oklahoma maybe a team to bet on uh, but at the same time the, I think the interest in this tournament is with Kansas and Baylor the two best teams in the Big 12 the two teams that are definitely vying for a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. So we'll be interested to see how those coaches handle it and if they kind of go all out to try to get that one seed. Um, TCU was a team that probably was on the bubble last week and is probably in the field because they just beat Texas Tech in Kansas. 
Uh, so maybe a team to fade that they know that they're probably in the field. Um, but for this tournament, it's going to be like a game by game basis and maybe make a play in the, in the semifinals or final or title game, because really in the quarterfinals where three of the four matchups are set, I don't think there's going to be much, uh, line value for me. So going to try to see if there's maybe a fatigue angle that we can play later in the tournament, but early on, don't have too many thoughts. I wouldn't even be able to pick a winner because I'd imagine it's going to be a, a Baylor Kansas title game and then I'll make a decision then. All right, let's do the Pac-12 in Vegas. Speaking of betting, Arizona, the favorite, minus 150. Just impressive odds when you have all those yeah. teams involved. UCLA, a plus 175. USC is 12 to 1. I mean, the odds really take a jump after UCLA and Arizona, which just kind of speaks to the uh, the level of talent in the Pac-12 this season, <laughs> basketball-wise. Uh, yeah. But, I, again, I don't really have a play for this for this tournament. I mean, I, I could see a team, you know, like Oregon or USC maybe coming in and scooping up a, an upset, but Arizona and UCLA have really been the top of that conference this season. So, obviously, Arizona is in the field. They're actually very likely to get a one seed. And I kind of wonder how yeah. motivated they'll be. I think they actually might be motivated because they have a new coach. This is kind of like a, a group of players that haven't won at like a, a big level before. And they didn't play in the postseason last year because they were ineligible. So I could see Arizona playing well in this tournament, even though they're probably going to be a one seed no matter what. Obviously, UCLA. Maybe UCLA is the team to kind of fade as the team that they don't really feel like they need to win the Pac-12. But if you prepare themselves for the NCAA tournament, then maybe they can make a run if they get hot from three um, in the next few weeks. Uh, USC is in the tournament, but a team that is on the bottom part of the bracket with UCLA were beat, beat pretty uh, handily on Saturday night in the in that game, the battle of the LA teams. Oregon is the team that we thought a few weeks ago were on the bubble, but they've lost their last three games, including getting swept by the Washington schools. So Oregon, poor end of the season for them. I think they're going to have to win their the Pac-12 tournament to make it, and they'll have to win four games in four days to do it. It's possible. We saw it last year with Oregon State came out of nowhere to do that. So I guess maybe Oregon would be like the interesting team at 16 to one. But I don't like the fact that they would have to play Arizona in the semifinals opposed to maybe waiting to play them in the last game. So probably nothing for me, honestly, on this conference tournament. Um, Oregon, I guess, is the team to watch out for. But I'm not sure if I'm going to be putting any money on the Ducks at 16 to one because it's going to be hard to win four games in four days, especially how they ended the season. Let's do the SEC, because this is, again, probably going to be the best tournament of them all, I would I would imagine, just with the with the depth of teams that they have. And, and I think you got, again, you got maybe five, six teams that have a possibility of winning this tournament. Kentucky's the favorite at plus 175, Auburn at plus 260. You have Tennessee behind them, Arkansas, LSU is 12 to 1, Alabama's 14 to 1. And the team that I like, and I'll tell you right now, Nate, I do like Tennessee a lot in this tournament. They have had some really impressive wins to end their season. The only thing that worries me, though, is a lot of those wins were at home. Um, and this is going to be played in Tampa Bay. It's going to be, you know, obviously on the road, not a home game for Tennessee. And they've shown that they can be a really good team at home. On the road, a little bit of a different story. I'm a little bit more worried about them being able to really control games um, when they don't have the full home environment around them. I guess you could say that for a lot of these college teams, but Tennessee specifically. But I do kind of like them at plus 325. 
they've shown they can play with the best of them in the SEC, and they're going to be determined. So I, I kind of like that number for them. Yeah, this is a conference tournament. It's usually always played at Nashville. So when I was yeah. doing research about this, even as early as last week, I was a little surprised to see this was in Tampa Bay, just not a traditional SEC tournament location. But uh, I guess a we're trying to, location. you know, for, for TV purposes or, or, you know, I don't know what exactly their, their rationale behind it. I know a few years ago I was in St. Louis um, for like to, I don't know, cater to Missouri or Arkansas or whatever. Uh, but it's in Tampa Bay this year, so that means maybe less Tennessee fans. And there's always a lot of Kentucky fans. I'm sure they're going to travel well to Tampa Everywhere. Bay. Yeah, Big Blue Nation. Uh, I think the interesting game in this is the probably the two bubble teams who are going to probably need multiple wins. Um, they're playing each other in their first game on. Uh, Thursday early second round between Florida and A&M the winner of that would play Auburn so either team if they could win that game and then beat Auburn then maybe they become interesting in terms of the bubble but I think as college basketball fans we want to see the those teams that had the double bye in Auburn Tennessee Kentucky and Arkansas make the semifinals maybe LSU and Alabama they do those teams do have a lot of upside I think but also, their worst games, they could lose to pretty much anyone in the conference. But uh, this conference is really rounded into a pretty fun, top-heavy league where we could get some really fun semifinals if the bracket breaks out. And, yeah, I, I kind of like Tennessee, honestly, at the number. Um, kind of hoping that Kentucky loses maybe in, like, the semifinals of this tournament or maybe even the quarterfinals to Alabama just because then we maybe can get a better number on Kentucky to win their region or maybe win the championship in the in the NCAA tournament, because I do like Kentucky a lot in terms of a NCAA tournament contender. Yeah, I, I would go Tennessee, and then I'd maybe sprinkle a little bit more on Arkansas, too. Yeah. Can't and go wrong with Musselman. They're on, they're on opposite sides of the bracket, so you could, you could do that. Um, I kind of like that path for Arkansas, just avoiding Tennessee and Kentucky until the finals or the title game. So And Alabama, even. Like, Alabama... 14 to 1, it's a tough path for them, but they're a team that's beaten Gonzaga. They've beaten Houston uh, in non conference, and then they had a big win against. Oh, they, did they beat Auburn? I don't think they beat Auburn. Maybe Tennessee or Arkansas. I don't know. Alabama is just kind of a weird team where they are on their best day. They can beat anyone, but they've also lost to both Missouri and Georgia in conference. So maybe yeah. in a single elimination tournament, Alabama can get hot for a period of time. And maybe That's make some noise here, and a 14 to one, a team of that upside is okay. But the fact that they would have to play Kentucky in the quarters, and then if they win that, Tennessee in the semifinals, and then still have to win another game for their fourth game in four days, probably not enough for me at 14 to one, honestly, just because they could even lose in their first game. Just that's the way they've been playing this year. Yeah, that's the only problem I have with that. I mean, I, I like that they can get hot at any time. I love that for success in the tournament if alabama can get hot from three they are very difficult to beat but they struggle with teams like kentucky they played kentucky twice in the last month of the season they lost to them both times once at home once on the road so this is a team that could absolutely lay a dud in the first round of the tournament and i think because of that 14 to 1 i'd rather maybe you know 16 17 to 1 at the least have a team like that who's so unreliable I might stay away just at that number. Maybe, maybe look around. Maybe get a better number if you can if you can find it. But at that number, I might stay away from Bama and maybe go with more trustworthy teams. I mean, I, I almost kind of talked myself into Arkansas a little bit at plus 
750. Like that's yeah. I they're on the same plane as Tennessee relatively in my opinion. I mean, they're not that much worse that they have to be plus 750 for this tournament. Yeah, especially since they would avoid Kentucky. But yeah, back to the yeah. Alabama thing. Maybe the strategy of Alabama is if they're when they're a favorite in their first game, bet against them. And if they advance, bet them as underdogs against the spread and see how long that lasts. So I think that's maybe the strategy for the SEC, uh, a tournament that maybe not many great betting opportunities right now, but I think there could be as the tournament goes on. All right, to finish off the podcast, Nate, we got some golf. Always very important this time of year. It's Hey, we're going to start seeing some Masters commercials on TV. It's oh, that yeah. time of year. I'm excited. That's That gets me really excited for the warm weather, for April, everything that comes with it, those Masters commercials that come on during the tournament. But we got the Players' Championship. Players' Champions coming up. Yep. What do you players like? Championship you like? The, players' Championship this week, and it's been a nice run in golf. I, I did hit three in a row um, You've been during hot. the season. Last two weeks uh, – Obviously didn't hit a winner, but got close yesterday with uh, Billy Horschel finishing tied for second. And I had Rory, and he faded down the weekend, but everyone struggled uh, the weekend in Orlando. But let's talk this week, and I'll have an article out uh, later this morning about the the tournament, the Players' Championship. And it's known as the fifth major. It's a very strong field. The reason why it's the fifth major is because it's a very big purse for this event. So most majors, the payout purse for all the players who make the cut is about eleven and a half to maybe the highest twelve and a half million dollar million dollars. This year, it is a twenty million dollar purse where the winner of the players' championship will get about three and a half million. So there's a lot of money at stake. Uh, the course is TPC Sawgrass, the par 72, pretty short. And like we've seen with the last few weeks of Florida events, there's a lot of randomness in this tournament because of the bad weather, or the wind, possible wind, and there looks like maybe some bad weather coming to Jacksonville this week for this tournament that could impact play. So there's a lot of variance, a lot of va- uh, randomness where players can storm back on the weekend like we saw yesterday or this weekend with Scotty Scheffler and two weeks ago with Sepp Straka. But I have made some bets. I tweeted them out already, um, and I'll have more information on my article. But just going to quickly go through them. Patrick Cantlay found a – there's a 24-1 to 1 out there. I think anything 20-1 to 1 or better is good on Cantlay, who was really good on the West Coast swing. And back in the West Coast swing, his prices were like 12-1, to 14-1 to 1 to win a tournament. So to get him at 20-1 to 1 is something I like a lot. I also like Hideki Matsuyama, 28-1. to 1. I bet him at 31-1. to 1. Um Matsuyama is played pretty well this weekend, uh, except Saturday. But yesterday on Sunday, when everyone was terrible, Matsuyama was one of the four players to shoot under par. So if the weather gets kind of ugly, it seems like he's up to the test. So I like Matsuyama, who actually in 2020 set a course record at the Players' Championship by shooting a 63 in the first round. The only problem was the next day the tournament got canceled because the COVID-19 outbreak happened. So it's a sponge from the history books, but Matsuyama had a great round here at TBC Sawgrass two years ago. And who knows, he maybe would have been a player's championship two years ago if the pandemic didn't happen. Uh, And then two other guys, Daniel Berger, I'm going to wait to bet him. He squandered a big lead a few weeks ago at the Honda Classic. He's a Florida native. Because he didn't win the Honda Classic, I think we're getting a little bit of a discount on him here. He would have been 
much shorter odds had he held on. So I'm going to go back to Berger. Haven't bet it yet. Going to wait to see if there's some drift on him. And then a player I bet and a player who has always steps up when it's a lot of money on the line or a lot of pride on the line. Brooks Kapka, he's now 40 to 1, so kind of in that mid range area as I have it titled in my article. Whenever you can get a player like Kapka who always shows up to the big occasions at a number like this, I'm going to be interested, and I'm interested here in him. And he's decent at the Players' Championship, of course, history-wise, and he finished 16th a few weeks ago. So he's not in horrible form like sometimes we've seen in the past when he comes into big tournaments. So I like Kapka at that number, and we'll add a few more names in the article. So make sure to check that out on WatchStand.com and follow my uh, picks, a Twitter thread where I have my picks, and also my article I'll post and retweet on Twitter at Nate Jacobson one. So we're going to have our Twitter spaces coming up on Wednesday. So tomorrow uh, after this podcast is released, we're going to have it next, next week as well, just because the immediacy of all the picks of all the games that we're going to need to do. It's just easier to do some Twitter spaces. So we're going to be doing Twitter spaces. So be sure to join us for that. Follow on Twitter. We're going to be doing it from the stadium Twitter account. So everyone can hear you can join, give us all your picks. It's such a fun time. Man, it's going to be great. We got all these games going. We're going to have, you know, like so many games on Thursday and Friday that we're not going to know what to do with ourselves. So we're going to try to bet some of those games as best as we can. So join us on the Twitter spaces on Wednesday and then also next week as well. Follow us on Twitter, whatever you may do. We're back. We're podcasting again. We're going to be podcasting again through the spring and into the uh, summer as well. Hopefully get some baseball bets going. We're hoping (laughs) at some point down in the spring. Um, but Nate, we'll talk to you, uh, on Twitter. Yeah. We'll see you guys, uh, Wednesday on Twitter, probably no show next week. Just as Ben mentioned, hard to kind of turn the show around, uh, for the NCAA tournament with all the line moves and everything like that. But Twitter we'll space the next, next two Wednesdays. So join us for that. And then after that, we should maybe we'll hopefully come back for a, a sweet 16 elite eight preview and then final four and then masters. There and then we, we get go. to the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs and, it really takes off from there after a nice three-week break uh, post-Super Bowl. There we go. We'll see you all later. Join us on Twitter. We'll be back.